Welcome to the Digital Marketing Podcast, brought to you by TargetInternet.com. Hi, it's Daniel here, and I am here with Henry Burton from Artelligen, and we are going to talk chatbots and conversation design. So why don't we just start off, Henry, do you want to explain who you are and what you do, and then we'll get into it. Sure. Thanks, Daniel. Um, yeah, so my name is Henry Burton and uh, my company is called Artelligent and we specialise in creating what we call conversational experiences for a range of use cases. And um, it's obviously quite an emerging discipline, um, quite an emerging field. So the kind of rules are being written almost as we go along. But uh, conversational design in particular is absolutely critical to a successful conversational uh, engagement strategy, whatever the purpose. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, if I put this in perspective, I was running a course. So we're, where we are today, by the way, we're at the Digital Hub in Jersey. And uh, as some of you know, I'm based out here in Jersey in the Channel Islands. And I was running a course and I met Henry. We had got on, kind of chatted about a few things. And then Henry came along to speak at a course I was running. And essentially, I wasn't really persuaded by chatbots. I was kind of suspicious. I thought, oh, they're, they're okay. Everyone was talking about how it's going to revolutionize things. And actually, my experience of them is that they're okay, but just like using Siri or something like that, it felt like it had pretty limited uses. And then I watched Henry's presentation and I was completely, my mind was changed. And that doesn't necessarily happen that often. And I think it was a combination of two things. One was realizing that actually it's a very emerging field. And that's probably why my experience of it had been pretty, pretty ropey up until then. But this idea of conversational design came about. And then I started to realize that was what was kind of missing. So do you want to give us a background, Henry, in terms of just why the whole chatbot thing is probably so important? It's just in terms of adoption and usage and all that kind yeah. of stuff. And then we'll talk about that conversational design piece. Sure, sure. So it's very interesting you say that, actually, because industry, if I can call it that, because <laughs> it's uh, quite emerging, as I say, would completely agree with you that there was this enormous hype cycle that we've been through. Um, and we use the term chatbots. I almost... I hate using it almost mm. because I think it does have such negative connotations for people. We've kicked around the idea of using the term conversational experience. Um, I kind of generally talk about conversational AI and yep. we can talk about that in a moment but because it covers a whole range of use cases. But what happened was the tools for making chatbots if you like have recently become very accessible and you know the sort of barriers to entry are relatively low and i think there was a huge amount of excitement lots of you know chatbots were created in various channels and you know because not a lot of thought necessarily had gone into them sure. largely disappointed but like all of these things i imagine one might say the same thing about websites like 20 years ago you know so the industry such as it is is very conscious of that and of course we all have an interest in you know ensuring that users generally have a positive experience right. with this kind of um, uh, conversational ai and so there's a sort of rapidly emerging uh, discipline of of conversational design, which we'll come on to, you know, which is really looking to make those experiences as as as, as engaging as possible. I think the most important thing, though, is to realise that we're this is the start of something. You know, the kind of um, conversational experiences that we see now, or chatbots that we see now, is the sort of the the early dawn of you know a future that it will involve human to, to computer interactions right. 
on a natural human level um, of all kinds, whether that's voice or text or, or what have you. Uh, that, that's probably a good point to, to bring up this kind of idea of artificial intelligence where this comes in. So initially chatbots were kind of promoted as artificial intelligence. And then you quite quickly realise that actually what they really were was scripting. So if someone says this, do this. If someone says this, do this. And there was some quite clever scripting going on, but there wasn't really that artificial intelligence in there. But now we're seeing the technologies that can introduce and the two things do overlap now as well. Yeah, so I think it's really interesting, this term artificial intelligence, mm. because it literally is that. It is artificial intelligence. You know, people say the definition of artificial intelligence is um, or something ceases to be artificial intelligence the moment we are able to do it, oddly. Right. So, you know, when we think about any kind of artificial intelligence, if I want to uh, create an artificial conversation with you, um, I could use any number of tools behind the scenes. But it is nonetheless artificially intelligent in mm. that sense. It's responding to what you say. If that may be on a very simple level, just, well, he said yes there, so we'll branch off to here and right. present this. But nonetheless, that to me is a is a is a, is, a, is artificial intelligence where we're going and where conversation design is really important is is into much more dynamic and engaging conversations and you're right those are being made possible by advances or in natural language processing right and I, I think this is the thing within artificial intelligence there's a lot of different terms being bounded around and what the one that google is using more now is machine learning which i think is when people say artificial intelligence, they think of intelligent agents, something that's going to talk to them. But I think very much to your point, there's different levels of that. But also machine learning, that idea of recognizing patterns in things and then reacting to it, that that also comes into it and becomes quite interesting as well. So I think there's there's some loose definition problems in here as well. That's probably the issue. Well, and, and the problem is that a lot of people don't necessarily, why would they, understand the right. AI landscape. And, 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 and natural language processing is a branch of machine learning. Mm. Because what's happening is an algorithm is being trained to identify patterns in text um, or words um, in order to define or, or derive some kind of intent from those words. Of course, you know, computers on no level have any understanding of a word or any concept of intent or anything like that. But when they're presented with a pattern, whether it's a group of words or a series of pixels from an image or a whole lot of numbers in a database it's trained to look for those patterns and and then react accordingly right so if we take a step back for a second as well the the, the thing that was quite persuasive in your initial argument to me is why messenger type apps whether that is whatsapp or facebook messenger or um, qq or any of these different kind of things um, wechat and so on are so important now. And it, it was quite, you, there's some of the figures you gave and things like that. We don't need to get into the figures particularly, but just why that has become more of an important channel. Sure. So instant messaging um, is a uh, fairly, actually not not particularly modern phenomenon. Right. We've, been, we've been involved in instant messaging for 20, 20 30 years. I mean, AOL, instant messaging, um, MSN had a um, an instant messaging app, but it was of course very desktop. Um, you know that little box would appear, and your friend, right. you know, in another country would say, "Hey, how are you doing?" And you could have a chat. So we liked that. You know, why not? And it was free. So we've always liked you know instant, and that's a key word here: instant messaging. You know, emails 
like sending a letter. It can be very long. Um, you don't necessarily get a reply within two days. Uh, but instant messaging is, hey, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing all right, thanks. And we can be in different countries, as I say. What changed the game for instant messaging was mobile. So obviously 2007, uh, when iPhones launched, I mean, we'd had a SMS, you know, text messaging before, but that was always kind of cost money and, and what have you. But when, 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 you know, the iPhone, the smartphone emerged and therefore the third party application uh, market emerged, you know, you, you had instant uh, messaging applications like WhatsApp. Uh, and Facebook obviously brought out their own um, instant messaging app that we now know as Facebook Messenger. And, and what I showed you um, on, on, in that presentation was the, the dramatic rise in, in take-up. So from you know, a couple of hundred million people a year using instant messaging to well over two billion people now in the world regularly using it. I mean, like we all know, like just have to think about our own lives, you know, I probably send maybe six, seven, eight instant messages a day. So what that tells us is that those channels are really important to people and that those channels are, you know, how people like to communicate. So when we think about deploying conversational AI, and we can talk about why we might want to do that, but when we think about doing that, um, there's no point in deploying it in channels where people are not yeah, right. Using. Um, so whilst we may think, oh, you know, it, can we see a future for chatbots on Facebook Messenger? You know, one might be sceptical about that. Um, it just so happens that right now it's a great channel. But as we may discuss later, Facebook Messenger is really just the, the, the kind of chat interface. And there's a whole stack beneath that of, of machine learning and, and data collection that um, businesses should be looking to build now that can be picked up and kind of deployed and taken elsewhere. Right. So, so uh, I mean, one point on that, and before we get into the kind of conversational design stuff in more detail, is this whole thing of... SMS marketing it didn't work. The kind of because well, it does work, but it works the right things. In that, my phone and my SMS is very personal, mm-hmm. so messages between friends and instant messenger felt kind of similar in some ways. It's it's friends speaking amongst each other or colleagues speaking amongst each other. The one thing I was more persuaded of having spoken to you was that it felt to me well, this was actually you're forcing your way into a personal conversation a bit too much, and therefore it's going to get ignored. But actually, it's about the quality of the engagement. Yeah, and I think that's. That's what differentiates what's going to work and what's not going to work. Yeah. I mean, so everybody, it's interesting. You know, people say um, there's a huge amount of skepticism around um, the deployment of, of these kind of applications mm. in Facebook Messenger. And I'm, I, I don't, I share some of that skepticism. Um, but what a lot of people say to me is, yeah, but you don't want to go around spamming people's messenger box. And I'm like, no, you don't. Mm. Exactly. Who does? Yeah. Right. It's the same with email. You know, you don't want to go around spamming people with email. No, of course you don't. What you want to do is that absolute essential start of any marketing exercise which is to understand your audience understand what they're looking for understand how you need to you know deliver the value that they're looking for um and and delight them so easier said than done but if you can do that then people respond very well in messenger so let's start kind of define what conversation design is for us and then some of the steps you kind of go through with that sure so however sort of simple i suppose um and you know maybe four or five steps that a user might go through in order to engage with a, a chatbot, for want of a better term. Um, behind that is a huge amount of um, thought and, uh, you know, structure. 
Um, because the one golden rule that I've learned in this is that whatever you've planned for, users will do something different. Right. It doesn't matter how well you give people instructions, what kind of how you shape questions and ask questions, people will always do the unexpected. It's another aspect is just as you say that you want to create conversations that address people's needs and you also want to create conversations that feel engaging. So when you think about those all those things together, you know, to plan that conversation um, is actually quite a complicated thing, right. even if it might just be sort of, you know, four or five answers. So really the first step and the most important thing of all is, like anything um, we do, is we have to be very clear about the objective. So what is it that at the end of this conversation we want to have achieved? So it might be in a marketing sense that we want somebody to sign up for a webinar, for example, or it might be from a user's perspective that they want a question answered or a, uh, you know, some kind of um, response to a, to a problem. But we have to be very clear about that. And right. then we design around that objective because only then will you be able to have create an optimum conversation and most importantly, identify uh, the metrics that we're going to use to measure whether or not that conversation is is optimized. So having defined the objectives, um, we then want to, and this is, I suppose, a more general point for brands, um, you know, we want to have, we want to make sure that the conversation reflects the brand voice. And I think this is a really interesting emerging field, again, within mm. the whole space, is that it's, you know, consistent brand voice is hugely important. Um, and that's kind of, e well, not easily, but I mean, it, it, it's well understood in terms of, you know, uh, social media content and logos and colors and branding and, and, and all that kind of stuff. But translating that brand voice into uh, a essentially conversation right. um, is quite an art. Um, and we also want to inject some kind of personality into this. And people say, well, you know, again, there's probably had fairly disappointing experiences of that because people try and sort of over-personalize and, you know, hey, Daniel, hey, Daniel, what do we do? You know, yeah. and, and being all silly and stuff like that. But it's not so, when I say personality, I don't necessarily mean kookiness. I mean, I mean just something other than a Google search, mm. you know. So we've got to think about personality. And then we've got to think about, you know, the basic structure of that conversation, the different stages of it, what counts as a resolution, how we can bring somebody into that conversation, how we can help them understand and guide their experience through it. And that's an important point, guiding, because there's a, a sort of tension between in, in conversation design, there's a tension between on the one hand, wanting to make the conversation as natural and engaging and as dynamic as possible. But on the other hand, there's, you know, the recognition that you can't account for every single possible permutation. Yeah. Um, so you have to try and that conversation has to be shaped in such a way that it leads people to respond in a certain or, or, or leads people to behave in a certain way behave in a certain way and also it has to be designed so that if if those boundaries of that conversation are crossed as they always will be that not only can we handle that in a satisfactory way for the user and not go oh, i don't understand i don't understand i don't understand but just deal with that and then be able to get that user back on track right. as soon as possible it's, it's fascinating you say that because i've been playing out a few pure artificial intelligences that try and um if you look at some of the turing test 
the whole thing of like having someone having a conversation with an artificial intelligence, can they tell it's a person and can they tell it's an artificial intelligence? And they are all, I mean, they're, they're, they're getting there, but they're remarkably bad, really, because it's such an incredibly difficult thing to do. And from that point of view, that I think it needs to be clear, that's not what we're trying to do. No. Actually, it is about a guided conversation. And I think very much your point of there's being a clear objective. So it might be worth just giving people a couple of real world examples of the kind of things they're trying to achieve and then what the conversation might look like a little bit. Sure. I suppose that the most important thing, I'm mean, just relating to the point you just made there, is that um, you know clearly this has to deliver something for the client, you know, for the user, mm. better than it could be delivered somewhere else. Right. So a good example, I think, is is an easy example. I suppose is customer service. Yeah. You know, so you've got a problem with your with your phone, let's say, and you know you've got a choice. You can either phone up a call center and be put on hold and go through a basically a, a push button menu anyway end up talking to somebody 20 minutes later who may or may not be able to solve your problem there and then. So there we can see that actually um, if we created a, a conversational application that addressed you know, customer service inquiries, that that could really add some value for the customer mm. because they could do it 24-7 and what have you. So the starting point would be to say, uh, okay, well, obviously, what sort of um, queries are we going to be handling with this uh, this application, and at what point do we actually need to hand off to to a human agent? So, in that sense, this will become a sort of uh, filter, a pre qualification right. tool. And you see that now on websites. You know, you have before people hand over their businesses hand over their kind of contact number. They say, "Look, are you sure you've tried all of these yeah. things?" So, let's say we've decided that um, we're going to handle. Um, I don't know a troubleshoot, um, say a, a you know Wi-Fi installation or something like that. We have already got a sort of fairly structured idea of um, you know what could go, yeah. what could be wrong. So the first thing we've got to do is is help the user understand what we're going to be able to help them with. So kind of managing their expectations. So you would say, you know, hi, what, you know, how can I help? Or you might offer them some options. You know, I can help you with Wi-Fi, mobile, and internet. You know, or, or, or you know, mm. billing. Let's say. Um, so already they understand the terms of the conversation, and then we can take them into one of those branches. But at each stage, we recognise that a user is likely to, as I say, not respond in the way we thought. So you might say to them, "Have you plugged in your?" router and you know turned it on and one might expect the answers to either be yes or no the answer could very easily be i'm not even sure where the plug is you know so we've got to deal with that mm. and if the conversation went sorry i didn't understand that that would be a very disappointing yeah. experience well i think this is key because what you just said about when you're on a website at the moment hosting companies technology companies before you go through to the raise a ticket or have a, a an issue, they will say, here are a load of FAQs, do a search. And the search functionality is so useless that you end up just going through it as quickly as you possibly can and just putting junk in so that you can get through to where you want to go to. And that's kind of the problem is that where we are at the moment, the chatbot experiences haven't been good, so people are therefore expecting very little of them. And it's us as an industry who've there got to set the agenda and actually make them better and make sure we are thinking about yeah. conversational design and not just doing what's being done so far. One one thing to address at the moment as well, we, we mentioned Facebook Messenger a fair bit 
because there is the technology behind it to do this stuff a bit more easily. So it's worth just mentioning the different options as well. Like, you know, that's one of the options. But why is it we're talking about that as an option? And what do you need to be able to do this? That technology stack you talked about. Okay. So, I mean, why is Facebook Messenger an option? Um, purely because that's where everybody is. Mm. You know, um, you, you know the, 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 the conversation has to be delivered somewhere. Um, and the broader options would be, you know, you could deliver it on your website. Mm. You could put it through an instant messaging application or, you know, some cases you might have a mobile application that, that people have to download and you have a some kind of conversational experience within that. But the reason why Messenger is, is such a powerful channel is because A, everybody's on it and B, obviously they opened, uh, Facebook opened up their, their Messenger platform to uh, automation Right, exactly. Um, in the back end of, of 2016. Now, WhatsApp, interestingly, um, I think from a business perspective, is is possibly a much more powerful channel. Um, and the uh, WhatsApp about four weeks ago, five weeks ago, announced um, the uh, creation of business accounts with WhatsApp, which I think was a major step towards that. Um, but what they haven't done is open up their um, platform to automation. So they've got an interesting business model. Um, they charge businesses for messages that are sent outside of a 12-hour window, I think it is. Um, so in other words, they're incentivizing businesses to respond quickly to customer messages. So given that, face, uh, that WhatsApp is owned by Facebook, I don't think it's a, a, a long way off um, opening itself right. to automation. Uh, and in fact, I have found a, a company that's facilitating automation on WhatsApp. I'm not quite, I need to look into it a bit more, but it's definitely coming. Yeah. So there are, all, there are other options. And I think you're right to say that some people feel that Facebook is a very personal thing um, and they find, you know, um, people messaging them within Messenger quite intrusive. But don't forget that we can't message people in Messenger you know, randomly. Well, I think this is it. I mean, if you allow someone to launch this, they want something. There is an objective that they want in the first place. And I think it's a really common misunderstanding, like exactly the whole spam thing again. But actually, we had a play around with this. And uh, we put it onto our Facebook page and said, look, if you want to be updated when the latest podcast is out before anyone else... Mm or you'd like to know a bit more about X, Y, and Z, just start a conversation with us now. And that that worked because yeah. people wanted to make exclusive. And they're already in Facebook, so they're already in the channel that they want to use. So it does make absolute sense. And I think you're right about WhatsApp in that actually it's something that a lot of people are using in a slightly different context. It is between friends, but also it's about organizing things, team groups, all that yeah. kind of stuff, so it might work. But also that thing of having it embedded into your app or into your website, if that's the right place for doing the right thing. That's quite interesting. Yeah, well. so we're I'm literally just um, getting into that now um, because, I mean, I think it's probably worth just thinking about this from a from a business's perspective mm. for a moment because, yes, it's in, you know ultimately we're trying to deliver a user experience, we deliver value to users. But there's a huge amount of value for a business too, and that value is in... Um, understanding their customers better. So to give you an example, you know, the kind of FAQ, um, you know, search function on a website that you see at the moment, I doubt that many of those are actually tagging um, IP addresses to, you know, the kinds of things that people are asking. You know, there's there's probably not a huge amount of understanding about what people are actually searching for. 
Uh, certainly, maybe at kind of Google and stuff, but most businesses probably wouldn't have that. But with when you turn that FAQ into a conversational experience, suddenly we are able to see with absolute clarity if we've set it up right you know, what are the themes and things that people are having problems with? So we can use that to feed back into our onboarding or our product development or whatever to, to make the products actually better. Um, so that's one side. But of course, on a marketing side, you know, we can use this to um, to understand or engage with customers at all stages of the marketing funnel. And so talking about the website um chat function and again there's a certain amount of you know negativity associated with this because we've all seen the kind of zendesk thing sitting in the bottom bottom right pops up yeah can i help you with anything and you know there's not someone there a lot of the time or the response you're going to get to be very salesy and it just And, and very disappointing because you know those big um you know chat live chat providers are not creating um bespoke experiences for that that you know it's a kind of general thing which they could be customized to some extent but um from a website you know um and i've just embedded this into my own website actually we we think of websites um actually they are the way they are because it's the way they had to be if you see what i mean you know it was a an opportunity for businesses online to to set out their stall um but it's flat and you know largely sort of one-dimensional with buttons and information on it because it has to be right that's the that's the environment that it had to be in what natural language processing enables us to do is actually to have to create a much more dynamic web experience so when somebody comes on there you if somebody walked into your physical store you'd say hi good morning how can i help you Mm. oh look the things you're after over here let me show you them and i think this um, this technology innate will enable that increasingly on websites so somebody comes right. in they recognize that you're a new user or perhaps a returning user and will be able to if you are a returning user know exactly where you've been in the past what you bought and say welcome back daniel um how can i help you today well i'm interested in this okay well and we can help steer your experience of that site and make that site much more dynamic so so the idea of a fixed homepage kind of goes away. Right. And I think this is really key because you're absolutely right. The whole kind of web technology does feel a bit out of date to some extent. The websites of, you know, do I even need a website? And I think you do, but I think this dynamic thing is really important, personalization. I mean, if I take Target Internet, we've got online training courses, members come in, they can see what they've done previously, that kind of thing. But when someone arrives, if I could say, would you like me to make some recommendations or would you like to see the latest new stuff? That's an obvious way of using this kind of conversational stuff do you want to see what you've done previously there's a new qualification available so you you could do some interesting things with that and i think that's whether for me yeah i think there's a lot of that that we could really need to think about as marketers absolutely and i think you know one of the key things for me is that recognizing that marketing has always in a sense been about a conversation Mm. you know you've got something they want something and whether it was done, you know, through billboards or advertising or more recently on, on a website or whatever, you're trying, you, you, you're, it's a constant to and fro with, you know, do you, is this, what is it that I can do for you? And, 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 and hopefully some feedback so that you can shape your, your, your offering in, in the right way. And, and I think what, what this technology is going to enable is for that sort of, hugely much more granular and dynamic understanding of those intents uh, and those desires and wishes and needs 
And, you know, we all sort of in, 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 in theory understand the idea that, you know, what we do is create a site in such a way that we can find out about our users and help them guide them around the site. And we're going to tag all these things and collect the data and look at usage and, you know, with a, a conversational experience on a, on a site. Firstly, it opens up a sort of very low investment kind of engagement for a user. Oh, okay, you know. They said, hi. Yeah, hi, I'm cool, Daniel. Can I help you? Yeah, okay. Well, I'm looking for, you know, and, and, and it's, it's, it's a, it, 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 we're not handing over Facebook Messenger information here. We're just having a chat. And in the background, you know, we, we don't even need to say necessarily get an email address off somebody. But what we are doing is, is finding out much more about why people are coming to our yeah. site, what they're looking for. Um, and if we start to store that information, we can surprise them the next time they come in a good way by saying, hey, welcome back. You know, are you still interested in the course, uh, you know, around this? Angle? I think this is hugely important because one of the things about analytics is that analytics, where analytics will tell you what groups of people are doing, it doesn't tell you about intent. So yeah. I can see how many people got to a certain page, how long they stayed on the page. I don't know why they went there in the first place and I don't know why they left. Yeah. And that's phenomenally important because in marketing for a long time, we thought about, you know, actually the emotional side of things is really important. So if I say to someone, are learning has got 150 courses, whatever. Whereas if I say, change your career, make more money, that's the emotional kind of investment. And that's why they maybe came in the first place, but my stuff is completely missing that. So there's a lot of, and hopefully we're not so much anymore, but the key thing of actually saying why I'm there, what I actually wanted to do when I was there and, the reason I'm doing it is completely missing for most digital marketing at the moment and, and where conversation uh, that brings uh, it in. And, and absolutely. And I think there's a real danger that we start to see the website as we currently understand it um, as being the way it kind of has to be done, if you see what I mean, rather mm. than seeing it as the way it just needed to have been done. Right. So if that makes sense. So we, we, in a sense, what we did with websites is we took leaflets and we made them digital. Right. Then we understood that actually, oh, we can tag things and learn about the journey and, and all this sort of stuff and optimize them as a result. We can spend lots of money on them and make them look super cool and make us look super cool and all that kind of stuff. But actually, in an ideal world, you'd have a conversation with that person. The only reason why you're putting putting a site out there is that you're hoping that because they're looking for something and they find it, that, that you can then start the earliest stages of that conversation. But in an ideal world, you would love to meet face-to-face with all the people who are interested in your courses. I think that's a phenomenally important thing to remember. Why do we use email service providers to send mass emails out? Because we're doing things at scale that wouldn't be possible maybe on a one-to-one basis. I'd actually much rather be able to speak to you one-to-one or send you an individual email. And actually... I would challenge this sometimes. I've got a bit obsessed with automation um, of email. And I thought, well, we've only got 100 customers in this particular segment or 20. Why aren't I just speaking to them? Why don't I phone them? Why don't I actually send them an individual email? Although it's going to take a bit of time. The response on that will be much better. And actually what you're able to do here is have the best of both worlds because you're having those very intimate one-to-one conversations, but you can do it at scale as well. Absolutely. And you can do it 24 hours. And I think that's, that's where I suddenly started to realize there is something here that because I got obsessed with the Facebook message side of thing, and I said, well, people aren't using Facebook. I thought it's private and it's personal. One, you can there are ways of thinking about that more positively, but also when you go off and start thinking about websites, I think that this is when this starts to get really exciting. It does. And, you know, I can see a time where the website as we know it today doesn't exist. Imagine this. I'd love my website to be a blank screen, right? Totally blank. And when you come on my site, I'll say hi. 
And they'll say, how can I help you? And you'll say, well, I'm interested in this. And I go, okay, well, and some content comes up that that answers that. Does that help you? No, actually, it doesn't because I'm after this. Okay, well, here we are. So completely dynamic. And, you know, as you rightly say, and I don't think this is in any way intended to be a um, a, a replacement to that face-to-face, one-on-one human interaction. But in every case, most of us, it depends what we're selling, but in every case, no, actually, I think it doesn't depend on what we're selling. In every case, what we're all trying to do is get in front of a client. Mm. You know, now, in, 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 in the case of a lawyer, I mean, that's obviously more practical because, you know, there's, it's worth more money. But if you're selling Mars bars, it isn't because, you know, the CEO of Mars isn't ever going to, worry about meeting 50 million people who like his bars but in a sense we're all trying to do that because this bridge between the the buyer and the seller um is a very human one and 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 marketing has always been about understanding that relationship um and so what i think the the potential for conversational ai is is to create that initial engagement and that conversational dynamic way that will lead you to having those really high value um, face-to-face conversations in a much more efficient way. Right. So one of the things I'm working on at the moment is, is helping uh, a business to um, have, you know, a better conversion rate on, on, on candidates that they have, um, you know, for prospect, you know, for, for employment, you could have 10 conversations with somebody who reckons they're interested in a job, but actually, you know, we could, weed out five of them to start with because they haven't got enough experience or or whatever um but it's the same in any context so what 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 are the steps people should be thinking about with this and how can they go about getting started with this the most important thing without question and i think everyone involved in this world has learned this lesson probably the hard way but the most important thing is to identify that specific use case or specific objective where this is going to add value and i know that sounds obvious but creating a Facebook Messenger bot for the sake of it yeah. is not going to yield any decent results. Um, I guess it's exactly the same as saying, you know, creating blog posts in itself is not necessarily going to resume. No, right. Or having results. a Facebook page or tweeting or whatever else, maybe exactly. I mean, Doesn't we, we, necessarily. We see this in digital marketing all the time, still just doing stuff for the sake of it, the latest new thing. And yeah, stepping back objective is really important. I've made a, tr- I made a classic, I mean, head plant mistake recently working with a client where I persuaded them that this would be a good idea and it was a total waste of time because what I was actually doing was positioning myself between them and the client that they were really keen to speak to and and just creating a kind of artificial barrier where there needn't have been one and we learned from that and it was very uh, very useful experience but you know so I think for a lot of businesses um, who are keen on dig- you know on the on the digital marketing side, who are data driven, um, who who understand um, you know the analytics side of things, um, it's probably worth them thinking about what what stage in their current funnel would be improved by being a conversation, or better still, ask yourself if I could at some point in this funnel, jump in and speak to people, you know, obviously probably at every stage of the funnel, but, you know, is there somewhere... Where's the sweet spot for that? Where's that sweet spot? And then having identified that objective and that part of the funnel, think about the best way of of delivering that, whether it's through Facebook Messenger or whether it's on the website. 
um, or whether it's in some other form. And having done that and understood that channel, um, then start to sketch out what that conversation might look like in, 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 in outline. And then when you get into the detail of that, being able to say, okay, so here's question one. We want to know, you know, what's your name? I'll give you an example. What's your name? You know, just to open the conversation. Um, what, what do we do if somebody turns around and goes, you know, F off? Yeah, right. You know, how do we handle that? You know, because it would be easy just to go, oh, all right, no, sorry, thanks, bye. Or it might be another way of saying, okay, uh, so why, you know, why are you here? Yeah. If you, you know, so thinking about it like that and then having sketched out the, the, the structure of that conversation and thought about the different jumping off points and importantly, how you can bring that conversation back around, objection handling, exception handling, all that kind of stuff. Then a really important thing is to get the copywriter involved. And I think, again, as part of this overall conversation design piece, this emerging discipline of bot copy is, is really interesting. Right. It's probably very much like um, the social media copy uh, skills that emerged like in 20, you know, late t- to 2008, 10, you know, when Facebook really came of age, tweeting and all that stuff. You know, here we've got a very short amount of words to say things mm. and, you know instant messaging it should be that you know every word counts and also incorporating that personality and shaping questions in a way that are engaging inviting um but convey brand voice but at the same time also think about the psychology of the answer so you know if you don't want somebody to head off in this direction then don't ask a question that's open that could go in that direction um, so it's also rather complicated and quite difficult to execute. But if you break it down into its constituent parts and think about it in those terms, you should end up with something. And then the most important thing is that this is not a static experience. Right. So having designed something, testing, 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 and something I picked up a couple of days ago from some um, some sort of uh, you know people I hang out with in, digitally on, in the states is they have training parties. So when they create an experience, they'll get friends and family and others in a closed environment just to hammer away at it um, and get that vital feedback to start with. And then when you're happy that it's at least delivering at an acceptable level, you you let it loose on the world and you see what kind of response you get. And I guarantee it will surprise you. And, And so it's important to have that constant iteration of bringing, you know, every interaction that comes in Making sure that the 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 the, conversa- that the, the application is trained um, and optimized at every stage, and another really important feature of of these things is also thinking about at what point and whether it's appropriate to have a human step in. Right, um, and there are increasingly uh, you know sort of interesting ways of doing that, um, and you know having people sort of monitoring that you know in real time. Um, and most importantly as well, being able to take the data that you're receiving through those interactions about those individuals, about the choices that they make, um, and actually doing something with it. So integrating with your CRM in, and structuring that, you know, that data in a way, you know, what are we trying to, what, what are we, what is it that we want to know? How do we tag these people 
so that we can answer those questions and and what's our strategy from here you know we've got this data now which is fantastic but what are we going to do with it so you just mentioned two interesting words that make everyone shudder as well if they're involved in this which is crm and integration and i'm fascinated by this as well in terms of technology because how much of this stuff is available off the shelf that you can then with someone like yourself start to shape and to form conversations how much does it require custom build and you know where, where is the technology at the moment Okay, so um, there's not a well. I was about to say there's not a huge amount of off the shelf. There are a lot of very accessible tools that make the make that make up the stack. Um, And the obvious ones that most people, your listeners, would have heard of would be ManyChat, um, ChatFuel, and there's a couple of others. And we'll put these in the show notes as well. Yeah, uh, and and they they are very accessible. Um, they've got great training that goes with them. I would say for marketers um, new to this, ManyChat is probably the starting point. But this is also a risk as well, because you get these tools and you use them badly and you have a bad result. And I think this is to explain what Henry's organization do is maybe take these tools, guide you, but also help build good experiences. Yes, exactly. And I think that's, as I said at the beginning, one of the one of the problems with, with this has been that these are quite, they feel quite accessible tools. I guess it's like, it's like having a you know an uh, an email responder. Yeah. You know, it's like having Mailchimp and 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 sending out blasts, blasts of <laughs> yeah, to right, everybody exactly. that nobody wants. Yeah. So um, you know, so but but it is possible to set up some basic things. But that's the very much the kind of tip of a stack for mm. us. So it, what that is is we call that the chat interface. The most important part of the stack is the natural language processing. Now, there's various schools of thought on on this balance between conversations that involve pushing buttons uh, and conversations that are actually capable of handling natural language. Um, And I think best practice, in my view, is suggests a combination of the both. So natural language in processing is quite an important part of the stack in any case. Now, these chat applications um, that we've mentioned can handle, they call it, we'd call it AI to some extent, um, but there are more powerful tools out there um, like um, IBM Watson, um, Google's Dialogflow um, and others, which are hugely powerful NLP engines if they use them right. And, and I think just, if I may make an interesting segue for a second on that, is that when I mention this to people, you know, what we do to people, they will say, yeah, surely Google's like crack that one and how are you ever going to compete with them? And actually it's important to make, to note that what Google has done because of its scale has built tools. Right, exactly. The, 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 they, because they have, you know, such a huge um, scale in terms of sucking in all of this data and stuff, they were able to create NLP engines that are really powerful that I could never hope to have in a million years because it would just be me training in my. So they, we, we, you know, we plug into that that right. scale. But ultimately, um, these good conversations that they're only ever going to be built in a bespoke niche way. So it's down to developers like us to create these experiences that when you plug them all in together, might create a sort of super kind of, you know, um, intelligence or whatever. But it's going to be a whole series of very, very niche, um, you know, agents, if you like, that, that have a very specific objective. Right. That's, the, that's the only way to, you know, the idea of creating something that can understand everything at any time is just, you know, fantasy at this stage. Okay. But, um, and then there's some emerging tools 
that sit between the two, um, which help you manage the connection and importantly help you to um, look at the, do the analytics, um, things like identify negative sentiment, alert you to various different um, things. And one of the best tools for that is a tool called Janice. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's a, um, it's a kind of really emerging uh, landscape um, and there's some fantastic communities online, um, you know, who are kind of writing the rules as we go along uh, in, in this sort of field. So yeah. So how can people follow you, connect you, get in contact with you? What's the best way of doing that? Uh, so um, my my personal email is um, henry at artelligent.com. We'll put this in the show notes as well, all this stuff as well, so you've got that. And uh, our website is uh, www.artelligent.com. Um, and, you know, I'm always up for a conversation to help people, you know, understand whether this might be a value to them, help them identify. So in terms of what we do for people, is um, firstly help people understand what it is and, and the potential and where it might fit for them, uh, identify those those use cases. Yeah. And most importantly, um, you know, the use case, you need to have a defined objective, but also a clear understanding of what constitutes success. And that should be in terms of ROI. Um, like any marketing campaign where you need to understand, you know, what a lead is worth to you and, you know, conversion rates and all that kind of stuff. And having done that, we should be able to confidently say, well, like if we, you know, invest this amount to create this particular experience, um, then we should be able to generate a return of X. And if you can't do that, I suspect it's probably not worth doing, Um, you know, and that could be a return in the sense of, you know, increasing conversion rates. Uh, it could be a return in the sense of reducing cost um, because we can automate customer service or sales or marketing or whatever. But there needs to be obviously a tangible um, objective in terms of, of return on spend. Fantastic. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Henry, for joining us. Uh, do get in contact. Henry is very open to having conversations, just working out how this fits in for you. And thank you for listening again to the Digital Marketing Podcast. Thanks very much for listening to the Digital Marketing Podcast. If you want to continue your learning in digital marketing, get over to targetinternet.com and sign up for the free trial of our digital marketing e-learning platform. There's over 140 bite-sized courses for you to try and lots of other learning resources as well. So get on there and sign up for the free trial.